Welcome to this APTA podcast. My name is Alice Bell, and I'm a Senior Health Policy and Payment Specialist with APTA. I'm joined by my colleague, Wanda Evans, who is also a Senior Health Policy and Payment Specialist, Rick Rausch, APTA RUC Advisor, and Kathleen Picard, APTA CPT Advisor. As many of you know, the current procedural terminology or CPT codes offer doctors and healthcare professionals a uniform language for coding medical services and procedures to streamline reporting and increase accuracy and efficiency. CPT codes are also used for administrative management purposes, such as claims processing and developing guidelines for medical care review. Both the CPT editorial panel and the RUC are committees of the AMA. The CPT editorial panel is authorized by the AMA Board of Trustees to maintain the CPT code set. The panel is composed of 21 members with the following composition, one panel chair, one panel vice chair, two members of the CPT Healthcare Professionals Advisory Committee, referred to as the HICPAC, representing qualified non-physician healthcare professionals, including physical therapists. 12 members appointed by the National Medical Specialty Societies, and one representative of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association, America's Health Insurance Plans, the American Hospital Association, a representative of an at-large organizational member, and a representative of an umbrella organization that represents private healthcare insurers. The AMA Board of Trustees selects all CPT editorial panel members. The panel chair and vice chair are selected by the AMA board directly. The remainder of the seats are nominated within their specialty societies or organizations, but must also be approved by the AMA board. Supporting the CPT editorial panel in its work is a larger body of CPT advisors known as the CPT Advisory Committee. Currently, the advisory committee is limited to national medical specialty societies seated in the AMA House of Delegates and to the AMA Healthcare Professionals Advisory Committee, of which APTA is a member. The Relative Value Scale Update Committee, or the RUC, is a volunteer group of 32 physicians and other healthcare professionals who advise Medicare on how to value a CPT code. The RUC is a unique multi-specialty committee dedicated to describing the resources required to provide services, which the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services considers in developing relative value units. Although the RUC provides recommendations, CMS makes all final decisions about what Medicare payments will be. The RUC represents the entire medical profession with the following composition. 22 members appointed by major national medical specialty societies, four seats that rotate on a two-year basis, with two reserved for an internal medicine subspecialty, one for a primary care representative, and one for any other specialty, one seat for the RUC chair, one seat for the co-chair of the RUC Healthcare Professionals Advisory Committee Review Board, which is currently Rick Rausch, and representatives from the AMA, the American Osteopathic Association, the chair of the Practice Expense Review Committee, and a representative from the CPT editorial panel. The AMA Board of Trustees selects the RUC chair and the AMA representative to the RUC. 
specialty societies nominate RUC individual members who the AMA must also approve. Both the CPT editorial panel and the RUC meet three times a year to review CPT code change applications and to establish relative values for the services and procedures described by CPT codes respectively. The systems and criteria for adding, modifying, or deleting a CPT code and for determining the relative value of a procedure or service are standardized and highly structured. Now Wanda and I would like to engage Rick and Kathleen in the discussion regarding their roles as advisors to the CPT and RUC process. Kathleen, I'm going to start with you. What are the most important things you think members need to know or understand about the CPT process? Well, first of all, it's important to understand that AMA owns the process. Once an application has been submitted, it's owned by AMA and the final version is often quite different than what was initially submitted. All CPT advisors are expected to review all applications. All CPT advisors are expected to provide comment on whether the application meets the criteria for the type of code for which the application has been submitted. There are strong confidentiality and anti-lobbying policies. The HICPAC is an entity within CPT that's comprised of societies and associations representing qualified non-physician healthcare practitioners. And even though the HICPAC operates within the larger CPT process, HICPAC members also have the opportunity to meet on an annual basis to discuss and address issues specifically impacting non-physician providers. And lastly, it's important to understand that no CPT code belongs to a specific discipline. Thanks so much, Kathleen. And Rick, I'd like to pose the same question to you. What are the most important things you think members need to know or understand about the RUC process? Well, I think first of all, the RUC process is very different from the CPT side. I always tell students and others that CPT defines the code and, and, and discusses that piece of it. And the RUC side, we value that code. We're very numbers driven. Every CPT code has a numeric value attached to it. It's called the relative value unit, RVU. And there are three pieces that, that go into determining that number. It is the work, the practice expense, and, and a little bit on the malpractice insurance. And I think members sh should know the, the work side or the work piece of it is what we do as the professional that provides the service. And that incorporates about 48% of the total value. Practice expense, another 48%, a little bit for liability insurance. And on the work side, the, the formulas that determine the work um, include the amount of time it takes to, pre to prepare to do a service, read the chart, you know, get the patient ready, et cetera, the amount of time to, to do the actual procedure. And then the post time, which includes our documentation and our follow-up with patients and, you know, the cleanup, et cetera. Um, the recommendations are made by the various societies to 
the, the Ruck HICPAC. And those recommendations are developed mostly from surveys that we do as a society um, for a specific code. We, we send surveys out, we ask our members, how much time does it take you to provide this service, pre-time, post-time, uh, inter-time, et cetera. Um, so it's important for to members to know that when they complete a survey, and this is a plug for the next time you hear we need to do a survey, you know, that you have uh, direct input into what APTA recommends and also what eventually comes out of this. The other piece of it is the practice expense and we have to present numbers and we have expert panels that put together the various numbers. You know, one example is, you know, for manual therapy, we had, we presented it several years ago, we added um, to decide were we going to request that every manual therapy code included the cost for a high-low table, or could we use a wooden table? And we decided we needed a high-low table, and that's what, what, that's what was included in the practice expense. You know, once the societies agree on the recommendations, they're presented to the, the, the RUC HICPAC, um, and then they are sent on to CMS. You know, one of the other big differences between CPT and RUC is that that HICPAC, the non-physician uh, group, we sit as a separate subcommittee of the RUC. And we op operate very independently from the RUC. Um, the, the, the codes are presented by the societies. We then make the recommendation directly to CMS. We do not have to go back through the physician RUC committee. Um, after they've been accepted or revised, and, and really CMS accepts the HICPAC recommendations about 75% of the time. Uh, and after they're accepted and or revised by CMS, then they're converted into dollars. There's this conversion factor at CMS. And so every RVU is converted into a certain amount of dollars. I think we also need to remember that what Medicare does, many private insurance companies mirror, so that this whole uh, RUC process um, can affect not only what Medicare pays us, but also what Blue Cross, Aetna, and other private insurances ultimately pay for our services. Thanks so much, Rick. I wanna hand off to Wanda now. Okay, thank you, Alice. So Rick, let's stick with you there. How would you describe your role as a RUC advisor? Well, as Alice said, there's three meetings a year where we get together to evaluate our codes. You know, in 2016, APTA and AOTA presented 19 of the rehab codes for reevaluation. And I use that as an example because the, a, a big part of that presentation was the amount of work we did prior to the meeting. There were multiple surveys, multiple meetings, multiple um, uh, meetings of our expert panel to, to put together our recommendation. You know, and that work included myself as the advisor, but you know, tremendous help uh, and involvement in staff at the time. And then also we brought in a bunch of other uh, APTA members as this expert panel. 
Obviously for each meeting, there's also prep work to review what's coming up on the agenda and then being part of that process. You know, when our codes are presented, our advisor sits at the table and presents the code and defends the code. It is a back and forth discussion between the practice expense subcommittee and the, and the HICPAC. Also for this last year, I've chaired the HICPAC. Um, and, and that's been an interesting and very, very enjoyable process. One of the things that, the, as Alice said, the HICPAC chair actually sits as a member of that 32 member RUC committee. So there's 31 physicians and one non-physician. So, and that committee then has input into all the physician codes that also come before the, 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 the committee. And then a final comment regarding, you know, I think both for Kathleen and myself and our expert panels, you know, we're part of that discussion and that process that's at APTA for how do we plan for an ultimate change away from a fee-for-service payment model to an alternative payment model that include case rates, capitation, or some other payment model that, that hasn't been developed yet. And that's a big part of what we do. Thanks, Wanda. Great, thanks, Rick. Now, Kathleen, I'm gonna throw the same question to you. How would you describe your role as a CPT advisor? Well, at all times, I represent APTA. I work closely with the APTA staff as part of a team. So before meetings, each of the three meetings per year, we review together every code application using AMA's criteria. As the advisor, I submit those comments by deadline set by AMA. And then during each meeting, I must be ready to provide relevant uh, verbal feedback on any code application with the goal being shaping a better code. When APTA is involved in a code change application, I sit at the table and defend it. And last, my role provides an opportunity for relationship building between the various associations that participate in the CPT process. Thanks so much, uh, Kathleen. I'm going to stay with you at this point as well. I'd like to ask you what you think best prepared you for your role as a CPT advisor. Well, I would say who first, um, Helene Firon, um, who served as the only CPT advisor for APTA before me, I uh, was a mentor and a friend uh, while I served as a CPT alternate advisor. Secondly, I think my naturally critical eye helps me review the code applications to find out areas where there might be weakness or disagreement, and again, with the goal of trying to shape a better code. And last, I was very familiar with CPT as a user for many years and for a long time as a trainer as well. Thanks, Kathleen. And Rick, same question to you. What do you think best prepared you for your role as a RUC advisor? Well, as I look back at my career, you know, I have practiced in acute care settings, hospital management. A large part of my career has been in private practice, a clinician, and an educator. You know, and all of these experiences have been invaluable um, as I, I sit at the table and evaluate other societies' codes or present our own codes at the HICPAC. Um, because I can really appreciate what goes into the amount of work and, and the practice expense for these codes in a variety of settings. 
I also think my history with APTA gave me a strong understanding of the role of APTA in this process. You know, as advisors, Kathleen and I live most of the time in an AMA world. We're at AMA meetings, we're on AMA phone calls, et cetera. But as Kathleen said, ultimately we represent APTA and the profession in our various roles. And finally, you know, my 20 years as a private practice owner have been cru crucial in this role. Most of my business involved using these codes for payment. So I appreciated every day the importance of this process and what these values meant to my business success. Thanks, Rick. So Rick, let's stay there and ask you then, how was acting in the role of advisor, how has it enhanced you professionally? You know, my primary role now is as an educator. I teach uh, management classes and health policy to physical therapy students. And I use what I've learned this last five years as the advisor and five years before as the alternate advisor um, all the time in, in, in my role as an educator. You know, all of my students probably know more about this process than they will ever use, but they all know that the amount they're paid, they ultimately will be paid for their services is not determined in a vacuum. There is a process there. This, this role has also been a great integration of the various components of my career. I can use all of my experience as we pre prepare to defend our codes and develop new codes. It also has been a great experience when I see the, the, the end product of our work, when we're able to secure an increase in the value of the code for the profession. But it's also frustrating when we don't um, achieve an increase and, and we actually end up with a decrease sometimes. For these latter codes where we don't achieve an increase, it just me means we have more work to, to do yet. Okay, thanks, Rick. That's great. Kathleen, <clears throat> let's finish with you with that same question. How has acting in the role of advisor enhanced you professionally? Well, first, I have an enhanced understanding of the process and the product itself. Uh, this experience has allowed me to be a resource to others. So in my academic teaching, um, as well as in my consulting with providers and my advocacy within the payer community. Uh, this experience has given me a perspective of payment policy, good and bad. Um, and it's incented me <laughs> to advocate for payment reform wherever I can. Lastly, it's provided a platform by which I have fostered professional relationships outside of the profession of physical therapy. Well, I just wanna thank both of you, Rick and Kathleen, for sharing your insight and for your significant contributions to the CPT and RUC process. We hope this session has provided you with a greater understanding of CPT and RUC. And APTA is always seeking individuals with an expertise in coding who might be interested in the process. Please feel free to contact me, Alice Bell at APTA.org or Wanda Evans, Wanda Evans at APTA.org if you have any interest. Thanks again. You can find more APTA podcasts like this one on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting APTA.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.